Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. All right, good morning. Now, how'd you like that extra hour of sleep? Anybody? I, 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 t- I tell you what, if I could figure out a way to get an extra hour of sleep once a week and give up a whole week at the end of the year, I would do it, you know, probably tax week. So if I could do something like that, I think that'd be a great idea to get that extra hour like once a week. Uh, lights me up anyway. It gives me more energy. And, and uh, for some reason, I would, hadn't figured out how to just go to bed earlier. It would kind of make sense. But welcome to those watching online. Had a neat treat this week. I got an email from a friend of mine I hadn't talked to since I left California, but a couple times, and probably been over 10 years since I've talked to him. And, and uh, so, Bill, if you're watching, Bill told me that when I talked to him this week that he's been watching every week since COVID, pretty much. So it's uh, funny just how you, you don't realize just how many folks are watching. And so those that are watching, y'all connect with Pastor Andrew online let them know where you're from. It'd be fun to hear where everybody's watching from. So those that are here, glad you're with us. And we're looking today at Matthew chapter 9. We're reading through the Bible from cover to cover. And today we're going to do it a little different. I thought today I wanted to kind of take you through verse by verse through a chapter. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew 9. It's in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible of your own, by the way, feel free to pick up one of these Burgundy Bibles and uh, take it with you when you leave. We're on page 806 of the Burgundy Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 is a a chapter that's kind of a a snapshot into the life of Jesus and what he did. So I thought this would be a great way to just kind of walk through his life, a day, a week in the life of Jesus. And then as we do that, I I just kind of want to share with you how I deal with Scripture. I read it, and I try to figure out what it's saying at that time. Try to look at, okay, what was Jesus doing? What was he uh, living out? And then I try to dig back into it and say, okay, Lord, what's that saying to me? So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, if you got your Bibles, this is a perfect time to open them up, follow along with us, take some notes in your Bibles or on the listening guide as we go, as we look at this passage of a time in the life of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 9, we're going to start in verse 9 and read to 13 to kick us off, Okay. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So let's pray. Lord, I'm so glad that you invited the undesirables, the scum, to the dinner table. If it wasn't for that, Lord, none of us would get the invitation. 
We're so thankful that you didn't just pick the smartest of the smart, the elitest of the elite, and the best looking. But Lord, you invite everyone to your dinner table. And so God, we come before you now and we ask that today that you would help us understand your word and that you would create in us a desire to read and understand your word on a daily basis. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, first thing you see here is Jesus is calling Matthew to follow. Last week, if you are here, we watched how Jesus invited uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew to follow, and we watched a, a, a video clip of them saying yes to the Lord. Uh, this week, we're doing the same. This is Jesus inviting Matthew to follow. I love it when he tells Peter, get used to different. If you want to follow Jesus, Get used to different. What Christ taught is different than what this world teaches. When he says radical stuff like love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who despitefully use you. When he says to forgive others, you forgive them not once, but 70 times seven. That is so different than our culture today, am I right? And if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to get used to different. The invitation he gives us to follow is so different than even religion today. It's not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not about punching the clock. It's not about being somebody so other people can see. It's about walking with Christ, letting him change you inside, and then that flows out to be the light of the world to all to see. We're gonna look at this passage and, and just see how this life of Jesus was so different. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is criticized for calling sinners and undesirables to his team. He's criticized for that. Why are you hanging around with such scum? And I think when it comes to scum, that's Steve Taboo. And by the way, that's you, because you're scum to somebody. Oh, there are some people that respect you, and, and maybe in your profession, but then there's other people that would look at you and say, you're scum. Maybe it's a king, maybe it's a prince, maybe it's your boss's boss, just sees you as a peon. Maybe it's others who disagree with your values and your, your character, at the end of the day, though, Jesus says, let all come who would come. And Matthew would have been one of the most undesirables there would have been. People saw him as a traitor because as a Jew, he received taxes from other Jews and gave it to the Roman Empire. So he was hated. Even the example you see there of Peter going, you, do you know who he is? You know what he does? I could just imagine. You're trying to build unity amongst his team of 12 people, and then you bring them from all different walks of life, and you're living together, walking day by day. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? And Matthew would have been no different. Now, The Chosen is a, a mini-series, and it's the most uh, successfully crowd-funded project of all times. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, you can go watch it online for free, the first two series. They're about to roll out the third series, and I'm excited about it. They're gonna roll it out here at the movie theater in a week and a half. 
And uh, I'm going to encourage everybody that can to go. And then the week after, we're going to have the assistant director here to answer some questions and be interviewed about how God is at work in people's lives through this, this adventure. And so it'll be a neat time for you to get to invite your friends and family that maybe you could take them to the movie to, to watch a, a quality-produced movie about Jesus and then invite them to come and hear from the, the assistant director of the project how God is at work even behind the scenes. So I, I just want to encourage you as well, as we look at this, whether it's Matthew, Peter, whether it's his brother Andrew, James, or John, as we saw last week, the call is for everybody in the room. He calls all of us to something, and we've got to be attentive to what that might be. But the second thing, as we read, let's read verses 14 to 17. It says, one day, so I think this is a different day. I think from here on is the same day, but it says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Now, Paul's right there. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, okay? So his followers are wanting to know, why is it that it looks like they've kind of got this more difficult life as they're trying to follow the calling of God? Their leader, John the Baptist, he wore uh, interesting clothing, to say the least, and he ate locusts and honey. And Jesus gets to go to wedding parties and eat feast and drink wine, and they're like, wait a minute, we, we're fasting, you're not fasting, Jesus. Why is that? That's not fair. And let me tell you, if you look at other people's calling that God's given them, and then compare it to yours, you'll never think it's fair. God didn't call anybody the same calling. He calls all of us to be a part of what he's doing, and he uses each one of us individually to do his work in different ways. But you can't look at somebody else and go, well, God, how come they got to... They got to be a missionary, and I, I didn't. How come they got to be a pastor, and I didn't? How come they got to be a successful business person, and I didn't? How come they got to be a nurse, and I didn't? How come they got to be a, and you fill in the blank? Here's the deal. If God calls you, you walk out that calling he's given you. Well, anyway, so they're asking. They're challenging Jesus for doing things differently. In verse 15, Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebration uh, with the broom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, for the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the new skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that all are preserved. So as Jesus is being challenged, he says, get used to being different. This is a whole new day. This isn't the, the faith with sacrifices anymore in the temple. Now your faith is between you and God, and the sacrifices are being made by Jesus. He's paying the price for your sins, and this is all new. Now, this idea of wineskins is pretty interesting. So the way I understand is I read up and understand is that they would put their wine in skins, and of course, as it would ferment, it would expand, and so you can't reuse those skins anymore. They're already expanded or they'll burst. So what Jesus was saying is, in the same way you can't reuse that same 
wine skin, for wine again, for new wine. He said, this new face can't be contained in the understanding of, of Judaism anymore. This is gonna blow your mind. Get used to different because he's gonna do things differently. His message is for all nations, all peoples, all races, all colors, all ages. It's a mission that we all get to be a part of. And it's not about going to a place and checking a box. It's about being a people that are loving God, loving people, and impacting the world as he leads you to do. So he's being challenged here So uh, by people that actually love him, but they don't understand why he's not doing it the same way their religious leader had done it. And that's right after being criticized by others. Now, the third thing is that Jesus is laughed at for having faith that can raise the dead. Now, let's look at verse, verses 18 to 26. So as he's saying this, so as he's teaching, a leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My, my daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hands on her. Now, let me pause. If you were to flip over to the Mark passage, which is why I love doing this with the chronological Bible, if you're in that journey with us, uh, because it, it has them all parallel, they're all pushed together. So in the Mark passage, we see that this, his name is Jairus, and he actually came earlier while she was still alive, and apparently Jesus is just taking too long, and she's passed away but Jesus is still coming. Verse 19, so Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch the robe, I'll be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle spread uh, through the entire countryside. Before the miracle was laughter. Before the miracle of this gal being brought from death to life was mockery. When Jesus said he could rise somebody from the grave, they're like, whatever. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you're gonna follow Jesus today and believe in his promises and believe what he's teaching and, and follow his ways, then there are gonna be people that will mock you. Get used to it. Get used to different. Because more and more our culture is diverting from our faith. Now, when I grew up, uh, I grew up in a family and my, my parents didn't go to church. I would go sometimes with other friends. But it was interesting because our relationship uh, was strong. My parents loved me. But our character that they taught us wasn't a whole lot different than my Christian friends. We were still taught to do the right thing. I wasn't allowed to lie, cuss, cheat. I couldn't do any of that stuff. I was still challenged to have morals and, and character, and 
I was supposed to treat a woman like a lady and respect her. There were, there were rules that we had that weren't different that much from the Christian faith. But today, man, it's all over the place, isn't it? I was just talking to somebody, and I literally this service, and they were talking about how, you know, they were raised on Disney and how they enjoyed those stories and how they felt like they were good stories for values and such. I, I felt that way, I should say. But today, if you read Disney's values, they're different. If you read what they're trying to push, the agenda that they have now, it's not the agenda of people of faith, but just the opposite. The world is not supporting or believing in Christian values, but they're going a different direction. And so I wanna just challenge you. If you're gonna follow the Lord, be ready to be mocked. Be ready for people to laugh at you. I was watching an interview with on secular, uh, secular TV from Great Britain, and it was, uh, I won't say who it was, but it was these four people, famous people, and the debate was whether, whether a man could be a mother. And the crazy thing was there was only one person that thought a man couldn't be a mother. Everybody else was like, of course a man can be a mother. And he's like, no, I, I cannot give birth. I cannot be a mother. I cannot nurture nine months inside a womb. And they're like, well, that's not what it means. And, and values and understandings that have been true for 8,000 years are being questioned and mocked. And he was being mocked and ridiculed as somebody who just didn't understand. I tell you, if you're gonna follow Christ, you will be mocked. But don't let it be being mocked because you're being mean and nasty. Don't let it be because you're the one out there yelling and screaming at people trying to get your opinion across. Let it be that you're doing as Christ, loving and teaching truths with compassion. Well, the fourth thing is that Jesus is even accused of having demonic power. How about that? He's even accused that he's casting out demons by the power of the prince of demons says in Matthew 9, 27 to 34, after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. They went right in the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked him, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened, and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Isn't that something? You would think at least there, the religious leaders would go, hey, this is awesome. The demon has been cast out of the man. This is worth celebrating. But no, even in that, they're trying to tear Jesus down and say, oh yeah, the reason you got power to get rid of that demon, because you're operating out of the power of the prince of demons. Jesus couldn't get a break. 
He's going to be uh, slandered, accused, mocked, laughed at, wherever he goes. How is it that this man who walked the earth doing ministry for only a three-year span of time where he's being opposed on so many fronts, how is it that he changed the world as he has? It's because he stayed the course, because he didn't grow weary, and because he didn't respond in anger or revenge. Let's see how he responds. So we looked at what the, what the Scripture says. Now let's look at perhaps what we can apply from it. The first thing I got to apply is that Jesus didn't let criticism or mockery change God's mission for him. Let's look at verses 35 to 38. Jesus traveled. So after all this took place, Jesus travels through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. What was Jesus doing? He was continuing the mission God had given him. He didn't back down. He didn't give up. When he was hitting opposition, he pressed the gas pedal, and he went to more villages and preached the gospel more and loved more and showed more compassion and healed more people. That's what he did. And so I want to challenge you. As you're following the Lord, when you hit that opposition, I want to challenge you. First, tap the brake a little bit. You ever heard that expression, pump the brakes? You need to pump your brakes a little bit. Like you're coming to a stoplight, pump your brakes, make sure you're, you're ready to stop. Pump your brakes and just make sure with God that you're on the right mission. Because sometimes the Lord's put a roadblock in front of me. Sometimes the Lord's brought opposition against me because I was getting distracted. Like whatever that loud noise is out there. Y'all hearing that over there? Y'all hear that? Somebody got their radio going really loud, got the bass going, and I, I either need to join in and sing with them or... I think I'll just rap. Y'all ready? Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You don't want to see this white man rap. Okay. All right, focus. Focus. Where was I at? Touching, teaching. He continued to teach. Oh, pressing the, pumping the brakes. Pump your brakes and make sure that what you're doing is what God wants you to do and not just what you're wanting to do. Make sure that the opposition is trying to keep you from the things of God. And if it is, then hit the gas pedal. Just hit the gas pedal all the harder and say, Lord, if I'm doing this for you, I'm going not just 55. I'm pegging the speedometer, whatever you want me to peg it at. Let's go. What's in the speed limit, of course? We'll have that. Each one of us has a calling on our lives. It's different for everybody. But I don't want you to let criticism or mockery Change God's mission for you. I want you to keep moving forward. Second thing I want you to see is that Jesus had compassion even for the doubters. In verse 36, it says, he saw them as confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Listen, we have truth, and that truth needs to be declared 
with compassion to those around us. Let me ask you, how many of you use GPS? If you drive, how many of you use? Okay, most everybody use GPS. Have you ever been driving to a place that it told you you're supposed to be there and you get there and it's dead end road? Yeah? I just wonder if those guys at Google Maps don't just sit there and go, <laughs> watch this. You know, like, they all think they're going here. Let's take them there. I mean, why do we trust these people we don't know? I get in the car and I say, hey, Siri, take me to Detroit, Michigan. And she says, okay. And something pops up and I hit go. Why do I trust somebody I don't know to lead me a thousand miles away? But then when God whispers in my heart, I say, I don't know if that's God. When I read in God's word and it tells me to, to, to love my enemy, I go, surely God wouldn't say that. When the Lord tells me that I should trust him with my tithes and my offerings, I go, he means that for other people. When the Lord tells me I'm supposed to be impacting the world and serving and, and, and helping other people, I go, ah, that must not be in the red letters of the Bible. But I'll trust a GPS written program written by somebody I've never met and drive a thousand miles and listen to what they have to say. Listen, we need to put our faith in God. And Jesus demonstrated the way to do that is to have compassion even for those that are exact opposite from where we stand. Theologically, morally, politically, exact opposite, we're still called to show compassion. That's what Jesus did. Compassion. You're not going to argue anybody into your church. You're not going to argue anybody into your faith. You're not going to argue anybody into anything. But you can love them, and they can see a difference in your life. Jesus showed compassion. The third thing that I learned is that Jesus didn't back down. He multiplied his effort. And he calls the disciples to go into the harvest and pray for more laborers. He went into more cities. He didn't look at his 12 and go, well, guys, it hadn't worked real well up till now. These people still don't like us. Let's just go back and give up. No, they went from city to city to city. And his attitude, as you read it, is we're going to do the right thing, the thing God's called us to, whether people jump on board or not. And that's what I want to encourage you in your faith. If God's calling you to do something, maybe he's calling you to start a Bible study. I had a buddy of mine in California came to me. He said, I think God wants me to start a Bible study at my work. I said, that's great. What's holding you back? I don't know if people are coming. I said, well, you don't know because you hadn't started the Bible study. Start the Bible study and see what happens. He started the Bible study. Only two guys came. But those two guys came week after week. And then one dropped out, and there's only one. But my friend was faithful. And that friend of his got saved, and it changed his life. You might say, but only one person came. But wouldn't you be glad if you were the one that that friend didn't give up? Listen, we, we are so American in our mindset, we think if we do something for God, there should be 100,000 people show up. We wouldn't know what to do with 100,000 people, would we? It may just be that what God is leading you to do at work is going to affect one person. It may be what God's leading you to do is not even for you at all. It may just be for one sibling 
as they're watching the character of your life, wondering if you really believe what you say. We're called to walk it out, no matter if there's mockery. And then the action point. We must care more about God's mission than we do about man's opinion. Sometimes man's opinion paralyzes us, doesn't it? We get beat down, discouraged, Maybe you thought you were supposed to be a, a youth pastor and other people said, oh, you, I don't think you'd be good at that. Maybe you thought you were supposed to teach, teach children in fourth and fifth grade and somebody discouraged you and said, you're not, uh, you're not very good at that. Maybe the Lord told you to start a Bible study at your place of work and you're like, oh, it wasn't good enough. Only one other person came. Maybe you're trying to walk your faith out at college and people are mocking you, saying you still follow that old-style stuff, that idea of waiting till you're married to, to hold on to your virtue. Yes, I am, because it's in the book. It's truth. I want to follow the truth. Will you follow the truth today? I'm going to invite you to stand up with me. Jimmy's going to come out and play a song. And the song you picked, man, it's so perfect for today. The opposition may come. Now, I want to say to you today, we want to encourage you today. So on the right side over here, we'll have some pastors, some deacons, some ministers that if you come forward and say, man, I, I just need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to pray with me and let me know, is this really what God's saying to me to do? Or maybe you're hitting opposition and it just feels like every step you take, Something's opposing you. Let someone pray with you this morning over that. If you want to take the time to really unpack something for a long time, we have a prayer room in the back. You can go back there and talk with that couple, and they will pray with you and help, help you walk through that journey. Maybe you just want to be by yourself. Pray and come and ask God for, for encouragement and strength. That's what this left side's for. So if you come and pray on this side, just know nobody's going to come pray with you, okay? So if you're wanting somebody to pray with you, you need to come on this side and we'll pray with you. And then I'll be down front. And if you've never experienced the hope of Christ, this good news that he traveled from city to city telling everybody, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn away from your sin and turn to God. Trust him with everything. If you've never experienced that, I'll be down front. I'd be glad and honored to pray with you and encourage you in that journey. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.